Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is September the 21st, 2018, the end of summer. Hard to believe, but that sweltering summer now in our rearview mirror. Hopefully some reasonable temperatures will prevail, um, and hopefully those of you uh, perhaps caught up in those horrible floods uh, down in North Carolina and near there uh, are doing okay. Goodness, what a mess. Um, and, and this really kind of points out something my mom always used to say to me. Uh, there's an expression in Yiddish that translated says, man makes plans and God laughs. Uh, we think we're in charge, but maybe not so much all the time. And, and that's why we really should be looking out for each other. We need to stop focusing on ourselves alone and, and see ourselves as part of a bigger cause uh, of a country, of, of human beings, of humanity. And uh, for far too many years, that's been missing, very much so. Um, And and that's something that we really need to be giving thought about. Uh, We really should commit ourselves to working cooperatively, not divisively, not playing the games being played by the politicians, by the pollsters, uh, these um, really miserable bums who engage in identity politics. We all bleed red. We all have the same concerns. We all have similar aspirations, desires. Um, How in the world have we divided ourselves up so that everyone gets shoved into a little cubbyhole purportedly at odds with everybody else? I've never seen it this bad, folks. And I think to the, uh, the slogan, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one, What in the world has happened to that reasonable, common sense, and truly compassionate guiding principle out of many one, e pluribus unum? Uh, You look at Washington, and it seems to be every man and every woman for himself, herself, whatever. It's got to stop, and it should start with us, we the people. We need to reject any politician who engages in the slash-and-burn politics of divide and conquer. And I don't care if you lean left, right, or center. I don't care if you align yourself with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. As Americans, we have far more in common than we don't have in common. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The politics of division are corrosive, they are toxic, and they are dangerous, and they have to end. And this isn't about, again, being a Democrat or Republican, left or right. It's about being human and being Americans. And so all of this divisiveness feeds the political machinery, but it starves us, we the people. For those of you familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced, diced, taken apart, put back together in a truly wacky fashion after the attacks of 9-11, 
creating what became known as the Department of Homeland Security. Those of you familiar with me know I called the Department of Homeland Surrender. President Trump is trying to fix it, but goodness gracious, uh, he's having all sorts of problems because the politicians from both sides of the aisle don't really want it fixed. What they want to do is exploit immigration to feed their egos and, more importantly, to feed their bank accounts because of the political campaign contributions that are little more than bribes. We've seen common sense, morality, uh, oaths of office, everything thrown out the window. Uh, We're going to get into a bunch of that stuff this evening, and I thank you for joining me. But I first want to remind you about a couple of websites I'd very much like you to go visit. First of all, my favorite website in the world, obviously, is my own. That website is michaelcutler.net. You probably know about it if you're listening to my program, michaelcutler.net. I write for Front Page Magazine, and I write for The Social Contract. I have a couple of articles up, in fact, this week that I, uh, I hope that you will go read if you haven't read them already. First of all, this morning, um, Front Page Magazine posted my article, The Ravages of Leftist Thought Control, the new speak of Orwellian 1984 is here. My earlier article this past week, September 18th, Sanctuary Policies Protect Sex Offenders Where Victims Are Mere Speed Bumps on the Road to Anarchy. These folks are crystal clear examples of how this nonsense of divide and conquer is playing out. This is the nonsense by which Americans have been duped into thinking it's somehow compassionate to shield sociopathic criminals, criminals who have raped little children, criminals who have assaulted women at gunpoint, are being shielded from immigration enforcement by cities such as New York City, which prides itself on having the toughest gun laws in the United States, and yet illegal aliens with firearms are being turned loose on the street, back into their communities, by the mayor of New York City, who doesn't want civilians, law-abiding civilians to have guns. Oh, that's a problem. And, and, but, but if you're a criminal alien and you got a hold of a gun, and as we saw in some cases, and if you read the article, there's a list of criminal aliens turned loose because immigration authorities are the enemy in places like New York. Governor Cuomo, goodness gracious, calling immigration agents thugs, threatening to prosecute immigration agents for doing their jobs. Uh, I was having a conversation earlier today with some folks, and I have come to describe uh, Governor Cuomo as reminding me of a bad impersonation of Al Pacino playing a politician. Just, Just think about that one. How in the world do you stand in front of the microphones as the mayor of the state of New, as the governor of the state of New York? and referred to federal agents as thugs and how those thugs need to be prosecuted. And you've got the Democratic Party standing shoulder to shoulder calling for disbanding immigration law enforcement altogether. Just stop and let that thought sink in. Let's let that thought sink in. Let's get rid of immigration law enforcement. Never mind that the 9-11 Commission identified failures of the immigration system as being directly directly responsible for the terror attacks of 9-11. Never mind that MS-13, a violent transnational gang, goes out there and recruits 
children, children as young as eight years of age. And how do they control them? Rape, kill, rob, control. Beheading children, forcing girls into prostitution, selling narcotics, engaging in machete killings and shootings. You have the, the problem with the Trinitarios, the Dominican gang killing that young boy, um, Junior, who wanted to be a New York City police detective, transnational gang, but don't you dare get immigration involved. We have to shield these immigrants. This nonsense, this Orwellian BS started with President Jimmy Carter. I've written about it innumerable times. Arguably one of the worst presidents ever to occupy the Oval Office ordered that immigration agents stop using the term alien to describe aliens. Uh, remarkable, incredible, insane. The term alien is not a pejorative. It's not an insult. Legally, the term alien simply means, and this is the definition of law found in our immigration laws, an alien is defined as any person not a citizen or national of the United States. Where in the world is the insult? How in the world is this hate speech? How is it hate speech? And yet we saw, and this was the predication for my article about Orwell, how Mark Rikorian, the director of the Center for Immigration Studies, was only able to get Twitter to accept an ad for a couple of their articles that included, quote-unquote, hate speech. And what were the words? Illegal alien and criminal alien. An alien who commits a crime is a criminal alien. An alien who robs a bank is a criminal alien. An alien who rapes a little girl is a criminal alien. Is that not the case? If a cop takes money you call him a crooked cop, right? If you talk about a doctor who is incompetent, you would say he's a malfeasant doctor. If an alien commits a crime, he's a criminal alien. It's okay to talk about crooked cops and crooked politicians, and boy, <laughs> that's all too frequently an occurrence, isn't it? Crooked politician, but don't say criminal alien. It's okay to say crooked politician. It's okay to say um, crooked police officer, crooked federal agent, but don't you dare say criminal alien. We can use those adjectives to describe people as long as they're not Ameri as long as they're not aliens. If you are an alien, you are above the law in sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And I want you to think of something. And this is something that I said at one of my very first congressional hearings. It's often been said that we only get one opportunity for first impression. For millions of people around the world who come to the United States or who seek to come to the United States, the first laws that they encounter are America's immigration laws. That provides their first impression of the United States. When you listen to the politicians excoriating U.S. federal agents who enforce our immigration laws, secure our borders, not against immigrants, but against would-be illegal aliens, against terrorists, against drug dealers, against gangbangers. You have these leaders, so-called, saying that it's hate speech to describe a rapist as a criminal alien? My gosh, it takes my breath away. So what's the message for people from around the world? Come to America, violate the law. Don't just expect to get away with it. Oh, that's too simple. We will reward you. We will ignore that you've been arrested. We will change our laws in our major cities to lower the penalties for a bunch of felonies so that technically they're no longer felonies. 
because it'll be one day short of a year. So that means they're not felonies. That means that aliens who commit the crimes can't be deported for having committed those crimes. Is this the message that we should be broadcasting to the whole world? Come to America, the land of opportunity for criminals, rapists, gangbangers, terrorists. What are we doing? What in the world are we doing? But this goes hand in glove with legalizing pot. Think about this. We are suffering. Americans are suffering. American children are suffering under the worst heroin epidemic probably in the history of the United States. Thousands dead. Thousands of lives ruined. People in jail because they're drug addicts. People who can't hold down a job because they're drug addicts. People who lose custody of their children. All the talk about separating parents from their kids. How many Americans have lost custody of their children because they're in jail or because they have drug convictions and they're deemed unfit parents? So what's the solution? Let's legalize the gateway drug of choice for heroin and meth and crack. And what is it, folks? It's marijuana. Let's legalize marijuana, possibly go wrong. How in the world did we get to this point? How in the world do we elect people like that to represent us, our families, our children, our dreams, and our country? These people are an anathema to everything that America stood for. These individuals have violated their oaths of office. They have made a mockery of the Constitution and their oaths of office. And I don't give a damn if they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. If you believe that it is fair and reasonable to turn child rapists loose on the streets of your city, you should be in jail with those rapists. Because you know what? Those rapists are going to commit more crimes. You think I'm unfair? Then why do we have a sex offenders registry? Because there's a recognition that sex offenders are likely going to do it again. So you want to warn people in the community, don't go near that house because the person who lives there has raped a bunch of 10-year-old little girls or a bunch of 10-year-old little boys. Be careful, this guy is dangerous or this gal is dangerous. We do it to protect our children. But if the person is an illegal alien, oh, we're not going to deport that person because God only knows we need to shield the immigrants from evil immigration agents who are thugs. Words have impact. What's the impact of the words? Well, there's two impacts. Number one, Assaults on immigration law enforcement have skyrocketed. Immigration agents have had their lives and their families' lives threatened. And people who might otherwise come forward to provide information so immigration agents could locate the bad guys and arrest them are being intimidated into not going to speak to immigration agents because immigration agents are thugs. Ask that babbling idiot governor of the state of New York, Mr. Cuomo. They're thugs. And I'm undocumented, too. I'll never forget him banging on the podium. I'm undocumented. The guy's a lawyer. He knows better. It's not that he's stupid. It's that he doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care about the little girls that get raped, the little girls that get killed. They don't care about the children who are being killed by MS-13 or being killed by the Trinitarios or these other transnational gangs. And frankly, he doesn't give a damn that he's putting not just the residents of the state of New York at risk for another attack, but the entire United States, because if you are a terrorist and you can come to a sanctuary city, you can use it as a staging area, indeed as a sanctuary, so you can prepare to carry out your next attack. Every single American is put at risk 
by every single sanctuary city in this country, put at risk by every single sanctuary state in the United States. That's the depth of the problem being created for America and Americans by political thugs, by political hacks, by political criminals, because it is criminal, it is criminal to incite people to riot. And isn't that what we've been seeing where federal and state law enforcement is concerned? Have we ever seen more cops shot than the present time? Every day I turn on the TV or I turn on the radio and there's another police shooting. It was started with Mr. Obama with that idiotic beer summit. Anti-cop rhetoric. Black lives matter. Of course black lives matter. And white lives and brown lives and red lives, all lives matter. I even believe that the lives of animals matter. Life is precious. A life taken can never be restored. Of course, lives matter. Do you think the criminals think that lives matter? Do you think the thugs that do drive-by shootings or behead children or rape children give a rat's tail about lives mattering? But it's a great catchy slogan. The reality is the people who truly cherish life the most are America's first responders, America's law enforcement officers, America's armed forces. These are the brave men and women who put their lives on the line each and every day, just like Governor Cuomo, who hides behind how many armed state troopers to protect him. But as a resident of New York State, lots of luck because he doesn't care if you're living among criminals, terrorists, sex offenders, robbers, doesn't matter. And let's legalize the pot. Let's get more people high. Let's get more children to start smoking drugs, and let's destroy their lives so we can make them perhaps more dependent, more dependent. What angers me and worries me the most aren't these clowns. We know who they are. They keep on getting worse and worse and worse with the passage of time. What bothers me, folks, what really bothers me, what really disturbs me is that the American people are as docile as they come, as foolish, stupid, and incapable of thinking as we have ever been. How many people have been buying this nonsense lock, stock, and barrel? The politicians peddle the lies, and all too many Americans are willing to believe them. And I am so tired of all these people that want to blame one party over the other. Look, the Democratic Party is a disaster. It's not the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has become the party of seditionists and anarchists. That's what the Democratic Party has turned into. It's becoming a fascist party, our way or the highway. But where in the world have the Republicans been, and where have they gone? And why is it that even with a majority in Congress, the president still can't get his immigration agenda pushed through? I'll tell you why. Because the Republicans, for the most part, aren't much better. Yes, they don't have the balls to get up and say, let's abandon ICE. Let's get rid of ICE. No, they won't say that. But what they will do is not provide the money to build a wall. What they will do is not provide enough money to hire enough ICE agents. I have a major article coming out for the social contract. It's a quarterly journal. Uh, I am hopeful that by this time next month it will be published. I came up with an idea. The editors over there loved it so much that it's not only the theme for my article, but it's the overall theme for the publication. 
and I'm calling it sanctuary country. And I want you to think about something, and this is what I wrote about. Please go to Front Page Magazine after you listen to my program, and if you like the articles, please forward them to as many people as you can. Use social media, make phone calls, you know, uh, cut and paste uh, the links to my articles. Get it out there. Be part of my bucket brigade of truth. But everyone for years has been saying, we need the military to back up the Border Patrol. How many times have you heard that? Let's get the military on the border. Let's back up the Border Patrol with the military. Well, what if, you, what if I told you that the reverse is actually true also? The Border Patrol backs up the military. Now, you might think I'm crazy. Well, that might be a discussion for another day. But ICE and the Border Patrol, their mission, and the inspectors of ports of entry is to back up the armed forces of the United States. The five branches of the U.S. armed forces, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, all five branches have a common mission. The common mission is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. However, however, when the terrorists and enemy combatants get close to the United States, when they manage to enter the United States, by the way, they're not coming on U-boats the way the Nazis came during the Second World War. They're coming on airliners. They're running the border. They're stowing away on ships. And the mission to find these people, to stop them initially, and then dig them out of the woodwork if they do get past the border, is the mission of ICE, the agency that Cuomo and all these others, de Blasio and Governor Moonbeams in California, all these people want to get rid of immigration enforcement. So if terrorists get, get up to the United States and make their way into the country, they want to make sure that they meet no resistance, that nobody stops them. Because what you may not know is the second largest contingent of law enforcement officers who are assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents because foreign nationals who engage in terrorism are violating our immigration laws. If you run the border, you're violating the law. If you lied to get a visa, you're violating the law. If you violate immigration status within the United States, you're violating the law. And these are all areas under the purview of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Why in the world would the mayor of the city that got hammered the worst on 9-11 in New York City provide municipal ID to illegal aliens and want immigration disbanded? Why would the governor of New York State try to vilify immigration agents, hoping perhaps to get some people killed? Maybe that's what his goal is. Why? Why? But understand that the mission of immigration law enforcement is to back up the military. They do border security in a manner of speaking at a distance, up close and in person. It falls to immigration. Now, think about the disproportionality of resources. U.S. Armed Forces, we have billions and billions of dollars that we put into nuclear submarines and nuclear aircraft carriers and stealth bombers and ICBMs and you name it, my goodness gracious. Over a million members of the armed forces of the United States, over a million. And you have 6,000 ICE agents for the whole country. The fact that 6,000 ICE agents, and by the way, half of them aren't even doing immigration work. They're doing customs work. And when there's a presidential election, they're backing up Secret Service. So during presidential elections and that sort of thing, maybe you got a couple of hundred ICE agents for the whole country who are available, which really means we basically have nobody enforcing the law anyway. How close to sanctuary is that? Do you really have to disband ICE? 
The number of agents right now who protect the United States from the immigration violations of law, which the 9-11 Commission, by the way, identified as pivotal, critical, at the root cause of, of the ability of the terrorists to be able to in, in, enter the country and embed themselves. The number of agents is so laughably small, it would be like having five cops try to provide security for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Think of that idea. That's how bad it is. And why is that the case? Because the Republicans and the Democrats literally are in bed together. They want no immigration enforcement. Now, they know they can't say it. At least the Republicans do. The Democrats think this is a rallying cry. The Republicans know, oh, we've got to create the illusion that we're serious about our borders and immigration law. No offense. We were attacked in 1993 twice, not once, twice, by aliens who came to the country from the Middle East. We had the shooting at the CIA by Kansi, a Pakistani national, January 93, one month later, February. We had the bombing at the Trade Center. Six dead, a thousand plus injured, a half billion in damages. Tower almost came down sideways. Could you imagine the casualty counts if that had happened? Nothing happened. 9 11 happened. George W. Bush puts together the DHS in such a way that it confounded immigration enforcement. In fact, John Hostetler, the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, back in 2005, I was at that hearing 44 months after 9-11, John Hostetler was furious, and he said that because of the way the DHS was put together by the president, by the administration, and he meant Bush, this took real chutzpah, real balls on the part of Hostetler. He said inexplicably they did this. We knew immigration was the problem. And so he mixed immigration with customs, he mixed immigration with agriculture, he mixed immigration with all these other agencies. And what we wind up with, according to John Hostel, the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee in 2005, he said that what the administration had given us, the Bush administration, was immigration enforcement incoherence that made it impossible to secure the borders, enforce the laws, and protect Americans. Think about that. And I was on a television program this past week. I'm not going to get into which program, but if you're involved with the show, you know what happened. I don't pull punches. When I speak to you folks, what you see is what you get. Like it or not, this is who I am. If you don't like me, don't listen to me. If you do like me, I'm glad you're on board with me. But I hope I'm thought-provoking. And I made the point, I made the point that I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, although I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. What exactly did I say? Well, this host of this program was furious and said, how the hell could you still be a Democrat? I find it remarkable. And the guy was obviously agitated. I know many decent people who are Democrats. Uh, this nonsense of thinking that the Republicans are your heroes, boy, oh, boy, Individual candidates are worthy of your support. And I can't think of any Democrats that I would support off the top of my head. Now, there might be a couple good ones out there, and I'm missing it, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. There may be some decent Democrats, but I will tell you, you'd be hard-pressed to find one. But truly, how good are the Republicans? I mean, we, we really have lousy choices. I remember that I was at a hearing, and Lamar Smith, who was the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, yet another time, and I did a bunch of hearings for Lamar. He's no longer going to be in Congress come January. But he talked about how the president had turned away 
money to buy more, to hire more agents and to hire more Border Patrol. So ICE agents and Border Patrol. And, and there was an interesting analogy that Lamar Smith came up with. He said that basically the administration, and again, this is the Bush administration, was seeking to bring two candles instead of one candle to a blackout. Now, how did that happen? It happened because both parties see immigration, and I've said this before, as a delivery system, not as a law enforcement system. It's supposed to deliver an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, and not just bottom-rung jobs, but also the high-tech workers with those visas and visa fraud and so forth, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why even though the visa waiver program should have ended, it's alive and well, and it got expanded. At least the expansion has stopped under President Trump. But we had 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11, and between Bush and Obama, that number soared to 38. It should be zero. Why? The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, partnering with the hotel, hospitality, travel, and manufacturing associations created something known as the Discover America Partnership. So what do they do? They said, let's have fewer countries where the people need visas. So that creates a problem, but we've expanded the visa waiver program, and that gives us an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. We also import over a million foreign students a year. Last year, in fact, 152,000 Chinese students came to the United States to study the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math. China is not our friend. China is our adversary. Why they have most favorite trade status, God only knows. Why they still have it after all the shenanigans they've pulled, I have no idea. I'm clueless. China's building up its military. Popular Science just had a whole uh, article about China's military and their counterfeit airplanes, how they've copied our fighter planes. We're educating their engineers. And when their students are in school here in the United States, they are entitled to work for companies and get what's known as optional practical training. By the way, this displaces American workers also. But on top of it, it gives them opportunities to commit industrial espionage. China hacks our computers every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. We're training their computer programmers. How brilliant is that? We are training Chinese hackers in our schools. Brilliant, isn't it? But most importantly, our immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of clients for immigration lawyers. And that includes politicians from both parties. Both parties. So when you understand that Bob Goodlatte, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is an immigration lawyer, when you understand that Zoe Lofgren, a Democrat, who at one point was the ranking member and may have been the chairperson of the Immigration Subcommittee, I don't remember and I don't want to misspeak, but you have immigration lawyers in Congress, and if we do DACA, if we're stupid enough, what we're doing now is providing an unlimited supply of clients for immigration lawyers. This is a work, public work program for immigration attorneys. So when you look at it from that angle, is the immigration system broken, or is it the most efficient delivery system this side of FedEx and UPS. Of course it's the most effective delivery system. Please don't tell me that you believe that this country can't figure out how to secure the borders. It's not that difficult. But it's certainly impossible to do the job of interior enforcement with 6,000 agents. Put it in perspective. 
TSA two years ago or three years ago released their statistics, 45,000 people. Customs and Border Protection has 60,000 people. The U.S. Armed Forces, over a million. ICE agents, 6,000, and half of them aren't even doing immigration work. So we have 3,000 immigration agents for the whole country. New York City has over 37,000 police officers just for the little city of New York. So please don't tell me we have interior enforcement. Please don't tell me that the Republicans are, are strong fans of immigration law enforcement. They're not. They're not. Some of them are. There's a couple of good guys out there. Senator Truck Grassley, good guy. Uh, when he was in the Senate, Jeff Sessions, great guy. My friend Lou Barletta running for the Senate. Um, he's now a member of the House of Representatives. Certainly stands with, with the idea of strong immigration enforcement, border security, interior enforcement. But where are the rest of them? Where are the rest of them? We can't deport them all. So if we can't deport them all, then all we can do is give them legal status. And then the Democrats and Republicans have a fake food fight. It's like wrestlers that wrestle, and it's all a game. The Democrats say, we're compassionate. We need to put the dreamers on a path to citizenship. And the Republicans say, no, 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 we're tough guys. No citizenship for them. So now the battle switches from whether or not this makes any sense at all to give potentially millions of illegal aliens lawful status because the age cutoff is 37. And anybody, if they pass what they wanted to pass, just has to claim to have come before they're 16. If you run the border, no record is created. There'd be so many people, no interviews could be done. This is an invitation to fraud. By the way, invitation to fraud means an invitation to terrorists because the 9-11 Commission found that first and foremost, immigration fraud and visa fraud were the primary methods of entry and embedding for the terrorists. So this is a golden opportunity for massive fraud. And just think about that. Every single alien who enters the United States legally or illegally provides the terrorists with that one opportunity that they're looking for to carry out an attack because terrorism has been known to be called asymmetrical warfare. What does it mean? A few people can inflict huge casualties. The 19 hijackers who attacked us so savagely on 9-11 inflicted more casualties on that day than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the casualty count isn't done yet. It is not done yet. In fact, at least 10,000 people are still suffering diseases that they contracted when the towers in Lower Manhattan collapsed and all that asbestos and, frankly, all the incinerated human remains and all the fiberglass and all that other um, toxins that was spewed into the atmosphere has poisoned them. Cancer rates through the roof. These people aren't just sick. They aren't just dying. They're suffering. They're suffering. Billions of dollars were poured into the Zadruga Fund, named for James Zadruga, a police officer who was the first known first responder to die of illness caused by the attacks. Billions of dollars, 10,000 people at least now on that roll to be treated, and we still don't care. We still say, oh, we need open borders. Oh, who's going to do the work? Oh, we can't do it. This is too tough. My gosh, if the greatest generation had, re had reacted to Pearl Harbor the way these jackasses have reacted to what happened since 9-11, folks, America would not have won the war. America would have been lost. 
our freedoms would have been lost. Our way of life would have been lost. So now the children of the greatest generation that made their way into political power are seeking to undo the brilliance of their parents' generation. They must really hate their parents terribly. See, I love America, and I love my mom and dad. I miss them terribly. I lost them to cancer when I was in college. You have to imagine that these politicians that are so determined to destroy America probably hated their parents, and maybe the parents were jackasses. Who the heck knows? You have to wonder at their parenting skills to turn out the kind of trash that insists that we, we open up our borders to our enemies and to narcotics and to violent gangs, because that's what they're advocating. That's what they're advocating. You really have to wonder. You have to wonder how a Governor Cuomo can call immigration agents thugs. I had tremendous respect for his father. I thought he was a great mayor, a governor rather. But maybe not such a great father. I don't know what his relationship was with his dad. But something is missing in this guy's brain. There's something defective when you can call immigration agents who go out there and execute warrants to arrest people who are heavily armed and very violent and very dangerous and call those agents thugs and say that you're going to look to prosecute them. Something is missing here. This is not a normal reaction. It's not normal by anybody's standard. So you have to wonder what kind of parenting they were subjected to as children. Perhaps they were so terribly abused that they have real issues with common sense and authority. The sad thing and dangerous thing is they're the ones who wield the authority. And the damage is incredible. If you go to that article that I wrote about who it is exactly that was turned loose, you would be properly horrified. You would absolutely be horrified to find out who is actually being turned loose by sanctuary cities, rapists and child molesters and people with firearms violations. Why would you turn them loose? You know, I made the point in my article that we optimistically refer to prisons as correctional facilities. Why? Well, ostensibly, we correct their sociopathic behavior. You look at the recidivism rate. If you pick up a rap sheet, I used to pick up rap sheets all the time. You would see crime after crime after crime after crime after crime after crime. That's recidivism. This guy or this gal, they don't know any other way but to commit crime. They see something, they take it. They want something, they take it. You resist them, they'll kill you. Why would you want to put someone like that on the street when our immigration laws give us an easy solution to protect American lives and protect the lives of people within ethnic immigrant communities, because that's where these people live. They don't live in, in these upscale neighborhoods, criminal aliens. For the most part, they're living in ethnic immigrant communities. And this isn't just about Latin America. That's another one of those force-fed lies, the Latino voter. If you believe Latinos are different from all other voters, by definition, you're a racist. What in the world is someone's last name to have to do with their goals and their concerns? Why should a guy whose last name is Rodriguez have different values than someone whose last name is Jackson, Smith, or Goldstein? Folks, as Americans, we all essentially want the same things. We want our military to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. We want law enforcement to keep our streets safe, keep the gangs off those street corners along with the drugs. And we want the schools to educate our children. And we want to know that any American 
irrespective of what I call the superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender. Any American willing to work hard and have a little bit of good luck can write the next success story. Why would anyone think that some guy whose last name is Rivera, Sanchez, or Rodriguez doesn't have the same values? Of course they do. If you think otherwise, by definition, you're a racist because you're telling me and telling the world that you believe that Latinos are different from everyone else because of their race. And that, folks, is the classic definition of racism, to attribute behavior, goals, etc., to somebody based purely on their race. And that's what they're saying when they talk about the Latino voter. Look at how wrong-headed, dangerous, insulting it is. But they get away with this crap because of the Orwellian tactics that we saw with Jimmy Carter. And, and if you look at, at what was said, and I'm going to read this to you, because it, it was startling when, when you read it for the first time. We've all heard the term Orwell and Newspeak and, and, and that sort of business. And, and we, we throw these words around. But let me, let me tell you just how insidious Newspeak is. And my reference that I'm going to read to you right now, that please pay attention. And please, if you don't want to be bothered reading stuff, just listen to this. And then please take the link to my podcast and forward it to everybody. Please ask your friends and neighbors to, re- to listen to what I'm about to say to you. This is what Newspeak really means. It's not just <coughs> some phrase from a novel. When you hear this, you will understand why this notion of hate speech has evolved and why it has been so effective at causing rational adults, people with education, to so misunderstand the immigration crisis, to so misunderstand what immigration law enforcement is about. Let me read this to you. And this, by the way, comes from the appendix an additional part of the book, 1984, written by George Orwell. And again, this is so crystal clear, you're going to find it startling if you've never read it. And this is under the title, The Principles of Newspeak. Here we go. The purpose of Newspeak was not only to provide a medium of expression for the worldview and mental habits proper to the devotees of the English Socialist Party, that was known as INGSOC, I-N-G-S-O-C, but to make other modes of thought impossible. It was intended that when new speak had been adopted once and for all and old speak forgotten. Let me just interject. Old speak is what you and I speak. Old speak is what you're listening to right now, folks. Okay? So, it was intended that when new speak had been adopted once and for all and old speak forgotten, a heretical thought, that is a thought diverging from the principles of the English socialist party should be literally unthinkable, at least so far as thought is dependent on words. Its vocabulary was so constructed as to give exact and often very subtle expression to every meaning that a party member could properly wish to express while excluding all other meanings and also the possibility of arriving at them by indirect methods. This was done partly by the invention of new words, but chiefly by eliminating undesirable words and by stripping such words as remained of unorthodox meanings. And so far as possible, 
of all secondary meanings whatsoever. To give a single example, the word free still existed in Newspeak, but it could only be used in such statements as this dog is free from lice or this field is free from weeds. It could not be used, however, in its old sense of politically free or intellectually free since political and intellectual freedom no longer existed, even as concepts, and therefore of were therefore of necessity nameless. So they no longer understood the idea of being politically free, but you could say that a dog was free from lice. So the word free now has a new meaning. We've done the same thing with aliens, haven't we? Immigrants, aliens, you see, you eliminate the word alien, everyone's an immigrant. Poof. There's no more illegal aliens because everyone's an immigrant, and we're a nation of immigrants. That's the game they're playing. This explains precisely what you thought was political correctness in reality has been Orwellian newspeak. And here's the final little paragraph. Quite apart from the suppression of definitely heretical words, reduction of vocabulary was regarded as an end in itself, and no word that could be dispensed with was allowed to survive. Newspeak was designed not to extend, but to diminish the range of thought. And this purpose was indirectly assisted by cutting the choices of words down to a minimum. Think about Twitter, folks. No longer do we write flowery, elaborate letters to one another, to our, our friends and lovers and so forth. Forget all the poetry. We're, we're limited to 144 characters, 144 characters. That's not exactly something that you would expect a poet to be happy with, would you? That's not what you would expect to happen to the most literate society in history, would you? Suddenly, you have Twitter telling you 144 characters, and it was Twitter that censored the Center for Immigration Studies. My goodness gracious. Could it not be any more clear than that, that we're going to limit thought through the limit of words? Let me give you some clarity about alien versus immigrant, and maybe this will help to clear the issue. Every immigrant is an alien, but not every alien is an immigrant. So when you make the word alien go away and declare everyone to be an immigrant, the distinction between illegal alien and lawful immigrant evaporates. Imagine, just to give you an idea, if suddenly, with a magic wand, I could make the word intruder, burglar, and robber disappear. And you would have to, in place of the word burglar, use the word guest. Illegal alien becomes immigrant. Burglar becomes guest. So imagine you call the police. You can't say there's a burglar in my house, right? So you have to call the police, and what's the word you have to use? You have to call the person a guest. So you call the police, and the captain gets on the phone. He goes, Captain Schmidlap, and you say, Captain, come quick. There's a guest in my house. Would that make sense to anybody? He'd say, why in the world are you calling for the police when you have a guest in your home? What's the problem? That's what we have done with the language of immigration. 
everyone's an immigrant. We are a nation of immigrants. If you refuse to accept that we're a nation of immigrants, then you're anti-immigrant and anti-American because America was built on immigrants. And look no further than the magnificent lady in the harbor, the Statue of Liberty. That is what Jimmy Carter started. I don't know if he planned it. If he did, he was brilliant, or the people behind him, because I didn't think that Mr. Peanut Farmer was all that particularly smart. But he might have been smart enough to have some wise enough people behind him to figure this one out. But if suddenly aliens can only be called immigrants, then let's pretend that burglars have to be called guests. Lots of luck trying to get the police to respond. That's exactly what we are witnessing today. That was the ball that Jimmy Carter started rolling downhill, and like any snowball, it gathered speed and gathered more snow and gathered more momentum. And now the, the Democrats are out there screaming that we don't need immigration law enforcement. Just like you might say in a city that believed that any burglar was a guest, why do we need cops? All we have are people who live in homes and they're guests. Why do we need burglar alarms? That would go away. Do you need a guest alarm? Of course not. Guests are invited in. So we don't need burglar alarms anymore either because the people that are in your house can only be described as a guest. When was the last time you heard the police called to remove a guest? Unless the guest became obstreperous and started throwing punches at somebody, it would be kind of unusual to call the police if you had a guest. That's what we've done with immigration law enforcement. That's how insidious it is. And that's how the politicians have the chutzpah to say, we need to get rid of immigration law enforcement. But what blows my mind is how many people who have college education, supposedly intelligent, bright people, who stand there cheering him on and going, yeah, no more ICE. No more ICE. Never mind that the terrorists are coming in. Never mind that the drugs and the gangs are coming in. Never mind any of that. Never mind that Americans are losing their jobs to foreign workers. Never mind. It's okay. Because ICE, those agents, they're thugs. How do we know? Governor Pacino. I mean Governor Cuomo. See, I get so confused. They sound so similar. Governor Cuomo told us, this is what we're confronting. We have people being raped and killed by people who were deported and were not turned over to immigration. It's not just Kate Steinle. It's not just that young girl in, in Iowa who was killed. This is happening day in and day out, but the media generally doesn't pick up on it unless there's some compelling reason. And being the prurient idiots that they are, if the person who's killed is a particularly attractive young lady, then it may make the evening news. If the person isn't such a pretty young lady, who cares? Collateral damage, a speed bump on the path to globalism and anarchy. This is where we've gotten. And we have choices to make. And we have a job to do. First of all, obviously, we have to vote. But we also need to make certain that the politicians come to find out that we're not the idiots that they hope that we are, that we do understand the difference between immigrant and alien, that we do understand the level of betrayal that they have foisted upon us, that we do get it that they have violated their oaths of office. The hypocrisy just blows my mind. Chuck Schumer was the guy who said we need a new law that would make trespass on critical infrastructure or a landmark a, a five-year felony. Five-year felony is the New York 
it's a misdemeanor and you can't get more than a year in jail. He says, that's not enough of a deterrent. But the same Chuck Schumer says, oh, no, no, if you trespass on America, we should give you citizenship. I'm watching this business about Kavanaugh play out, and I just have to make, make a little remark about that in passing, for whatever it's worth. Certainly not my area of expertise, other than the fact that I'm an American and I hope I have at least a little bit of common sense. At least a little bit of common sense. Judge Kavanaugh, everyone's description, except that one woman, is the pillar of the community. He's the kind of guy that you could only dream would live next door to you and his family. Family man, brilliant lawyer, brilliant student. He was interviewed. He was questioned at length, repeatedly. Nobody brings up this issue. As the clock is ticking down, as an act of desperation, the Democrats concoct this complaint, possibly, possibly. What worries me is this whole thing with the Me Too movement. And, and, and let me be straight about this. My parents had told me, um, you know, if you go out with a girl and you force yourself on the girl, my father said to me, the worst thing you're going to confront is me because I'll cut it off for you. I swear, that's, I knew he probably wouldn't, but I, I, I had to wonder because my parents instilled in me such a strong moral compass. I, I've been on my own since I was 21 but it was easy to stay on the straight and narrow because of my parents and the way they raised me. But it was made crystal clear to me that there are things you do and things you don't do, and God help you if you cross lines. But gosh, people make mistakes in their lives, and I'm not talking about Kavanaugh, and I'm not talking about forcing yourself on a woman. What I am talking about is the mistakes that people make when they make accusations and they know damn well they can't back it up. Why do you let something fester for decades and now come forward and expect that the FBI is going to conjure up by magic an investigation to substantiate an allegation where there's no forensics evidence? Anybody can accuse anybody of anything. I remember Walter Connery, who had been the head of investigations in New York before that. He was the head of internal affairs for the INS in Washington before that. He was the head of internal affairs for the NYPD. He was also a lawyer. But Walt always used to tell us you can indict a ham sandwich. Anybody can be accused of anything. We're seeing that play out now with Judge Kavanaugh. Anybody can be accused of anything. What disturbs me the most is no one is asking the question of the damage that this has on Judge Kavanaugh if, in fact, he's not guilty. Everyone's talking about how we have to protect the woman that wants to come forward with her allegations. But she should be able to, to go after the judge, and she should be able to do this, and she should be able to do that. Basically, they want to bring America, they want to bring the Napoleonic Code to America. In America, folks, we're innocent until proven guilty. The Democrats want to turn it on its ear, basically declaring Kavanaugh guilty until he's proven innocent. It's a very dangerous precedent. We're going the wrong way once again on a one-way street, and we're picking up speed. We need to make certain that the politicians hear from us regularly, routinely, and loudly and clearly. I'm not telling you to be nasty or violent or anything like that. The tactics of the Democrats are disgusting beyond words. And again, uh, I'm registered as a Democrat, but I'm embarrassed to have to say that because I, there's certainly no pride 
and declaring myself to have any relationship with that wacky party and their band of leaders, so-called. But they're looking to have a public lynching of an individual who, from everything that I've read, is a decent human being. And no one seems to be giving a bit of thought to how harmful and toxic this all is. If you wonder why we don't get enough decent people in government, if you wonder why we get what we get from members of Congress and mayors and so forth, watch the idiocy that's playing out with, with um, Judge Kavanaugh. Who in their right mind would want to subject themselves, but perhaps even more importantly, their families to the abuse and the indignities being visited on the judge um, the way it's happening today? There's a lack of credibility here, not about the woman making the accusation, but the way it's being done. It's not just what you do, it's how you do it. To wait for the last possible minute and now try to stall and stall and stall. Monday's not a good day for me. How about next year? You know, let's put this off. Maybe I'm missing the point, but it certainly seems to me that these are just dilatory tactics. They're trying to run out the clock before the election. The only thing that I could hope for is that even after the election, the Democrats won't gain control of our Congress because they've proven themselves unworthy of being in control of anything. Just my thought. I want to thank all of you for spending the last hour with me. I hope you find my program thought-provoking. I hope the information is helpful. If you do, please share my information with as many folks as you can. But please, folks, you must get involved. You can't be a good parent without being involved because what we're really discussing here is the future of America and with it the future of our children and their children. And that's why I always like to make that point that democracy is not a spectator sport. For democracy to be successful, we the people must be as educated as possible. We must stand down or stand up to the bullies and make them stand down. We should not be intimidated. We need to have our voices heard, and we have to show our commitment and our appreciation for the Constitution and our freedoms, particularly our freedom of speech, and the only way to do that is to exercise it. Again, I thank you for joining me. I look forward, I look forward again to seeing you uh, right here next week at the same time on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week.